Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's going on, everybody? My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, it is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. So, ODPH Society, let's talk some sports. You can find the social media accounts to join in that conversation on OchoDuroParlayHour.com. And kicking off this edition of the sports show is a return to sports question mark? Yeah, maybe. We have been talking about this event for a while now, and as it stands, as we are recording on Tuesday, this Saturday night, live on pay-per-view from Jacksonville at the Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena, is UFC 249. Mm -hmm. The UFC is returning to regularly scheduled fighting, and they have a very, very stacked card for this, and this is going to kick off their string of fights they're having in Jacksonville. Obviously, this one is kicking off May 9th. The next it's going to kick off a string of something. Just yeah, there's a fight this weekend for now because Lord knows what the way this saga and everything and you know as the UFC turns, mm-hmm. you know as we like to say has been going the last month or two. Anything can happen at this point. Anything can. But as it stands right now, May 9th is the kickoff. Then they do another card on May 13th, and then they have one on May 16th. And they are also talking a few other cards as well. So the UFC is being very determined yeah. to get back in, in they are very hellbent they're very hellbent and there is definitely mixed reaction across the sports fandom mm-hmm. about this i know bob abram from the boxing world was uh very anti dana white yeah it's and not yeah you don't exactly have to read the tea leaves for how he feels no he definitely had a few uh choice words to say yeah and low colorful you i you know what i don't really find any fault of what he's saying no too. because obviously with everything going on with c19 the sports world and along with the rest of the world, has been turned upside down. Yep. Let's face it. Everybody is clamoring to get back to a sense of normalcy, mm-hmm. and the UFC feels that they want to be the ones leading the charge Yeah, by the way that Dana White has been determined mm-hmm. to get fights going again. Going Hellbent, at, one might even say. Oh, absolutely. He's been mad scientist formulating the whole thing because if he's still planning on doing the fight island in a location to be named in June... Because he said that's when the first card is going to be, as, as last I've read. Uh, he's still planning on doing it. He did an uh, Ask Me Anything on uh, Reddit the uh, last week, I want to say, was on the subreddit r slash MMA. And it got brought up if he was still planning on doing that. And he is. He is determined. Like, the drive about this to get back in session, mm-hmm. I, you have to look at twofold. You can really applaud it that he really wants to get things back going. But mm-hmm. at the same token... You have to realize the current temp in the room. Yeah. And things are going to take time to get back in the full swing of things with everything going on. A global pandemic is a perfect reason not to rush back into things. Yeah. To take your time and to really make sure that your fighters, your staff, and all parties involved that are going to be in attendance for said event are going to be in the safest and healthiest position possible. Mm Mm-hmm. Anything less than that is inexcusable and downright disgusting, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. So that being said, the UFC has lined up their cards, and they're kicking off 249 from Jacksonville this week. Yep. They have definitely made it worth the while. Yeah, they've, to, they've stacked this a little bit. I mean, I'm just looking at the names. Good Lord. 
Well, Pad, let's give a quick breakdown of the card, shall we? Sure. So, I mean, we we normally don't talk the early prelim cards, but good lord, there's a name on there's uh, some names on this. Uh, one matchup you have on the early prelim card, which is on ESPN Plus, uh, is a welterweight division matchup between Vicente Luke and Nico Price. Nico follows the show. What up, Nico? Uh, yeah, just absolutely insane. That like, okay, normally I don't think we've really looked at early prelim cards since maybe UFC 200. No, with obviously with everything going on, Dana has really and the matchmaking team of the UFC have really made a point to mm-hmm. stack this with fights that were previously canceled from other cards, right? Because we haven't had one since the Brazil card, right? Which has been a while. It's been a while. It's been some weeks. We documented about that last week. So they've been really trying to make sure that fighters are getting on cards and really they're trying to make it worth the fans money Mm -hmm. so obviously looking at that prelim card it's absolutely insane for just you know the early prelims yeah then you start dipping into the regular prelims yeah so then you get the regular prelim cards which looks like it will lead off with a a middleweight division matchup between uriah hall and jacare souza then that's opening the prelims yeah good lord and just to see like for the prelims i know it's going to definitely want to get people hyped about this but looking at the rest of that card you have on the prelims, uh, Carlos Sparza versus Michelle Watterson. Mm-hmm. Fabio Verdum is coming back Yep, against uh, Alexei Olenek. Mm-hmm. And then the main event for the prelim card. Any other scenario, this should main event any card. Like, yeah. I don't care if it's UFC on ESPN, UFC on ESPN Plus, or UFC insert number here. Like, this should normally headline a card. It would be definitely a co-main event, I think, at this stage. But in the years past, this would definitely lit it up. Anthony Showtime Pettis going up to welterweight to fight the one and only Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Good Lord. Now let us jump into the main event. Like It's crazy about like how we're even dived into the main card. Yeah. Uh, leading off the main card, you have a heavyweight division matchup between Greg Hardy. Yes, that Greg Hardy. And Jorgen DeCastro. Next. Uh, you've got a, fl- uh, excuse me, almost said flyweight, uh, featherweight division matchup between Jeremy Stevens and Calvin Qatar. Now that one is going to be a sleeper on this card. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Stevens has one of the heaviest hands in all the division. Qatar is no joke either. Mm-hmm. Next. No, it's going to be absolutely insane. Uh, next matchup, we potentially might have someone's soul leaving their body again uh, in a heavyweight matchup between Francis Ngannou versus Yarzino, Yarzinho. Uh, Rosenstruck, and I apologize if I uh, messed up that name. Right. No, that one has definitely got title, uh, future title contender implications mm-hmm. going on all over that. Someone's getting knocked out in that one. Yeah, somebody's getting knocked out. I, I, uh-huh. I don't see that one going to the third round. Nope. Uh, after that, you have in the co-main event, you have for the UFC Bantamweight Championship, you have champion Henry Cejudo taking on Dominic Cruz. Definitely a, a little bit of a storyline with this one. Yeah, so, a little bit. Well, Cejudo has not really fought in a while. Obviously, moving up to Bantamweight, he relinquished the flyweight title. Mm-hmm. And who has been the next contender has been kind of a little bit of a carousel. Yeah. We had Jose Aldo penciled in at one point. Right. Obviously, due to C-19 travel restrictions, that is not happening. Right. Dominic Cruz, the longtime king of the Bantamweights, is now returning. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping he's at 100% because he's had a, an unfortunate history of knee injuries right. that have kept him sidelined for a good portion of the prime of his career. So he his last, uh, excuse me, Dominic Cruz's last fight was a uh, unanimous decision loss to Cody Garbrandt back at UFC 207 in December of 2016. Absolutely insane. Yeah, absolutely. Insane. I didn't, you know, I'd be honest, I didn't realize it'd been that long. No, because I realize he's been gone. Like I realize he hasn't fought recently, but I just hadn't realized how long it'd been. 
it, and that's the that's the one you know tragedy of this. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's just one of those love him or hate him. Cruz has always been a contender. Yeah, has arguably at one point the best footwork in all of MMA. Mm-hmm. So you can't take that away from him. Oh yeah. So to see what he has at this stage is going to be anybody's guess. And then we get to the main event. Yeah, the main event you've got for the uh, interim UFC lightweight championship: Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje. I'm going to save the preview for this because we're going to break down each fight and give you our picks in a second. But, Pad, looking at this card, and I guess this is what I'm going to ask the ODPH Society. Looking at this card right now, mm-hmm. as it stands, is are you planning on getting this, or do you think there's going to be a big turnout to get this on Saturday night? I think there's going to be a big turnout to get this fight Saturday night just because... Fans want something to watch, and it's and, and I'm not just limiting that to UFC fans. I'm limiting saying that for sports fans. Mm-hmm. You look at how the ratings came out for night one of the NFL draft. What was it last week, two weeks ago? Yeah, and just how they had monster numbers. You know, it, fans want something to see. As good as it is to watch some of these older games and some of these great older matchups and stuff like that, you want something new. You want something you don't know what the end is. You know, as fun as it was for me to watch the Game 7 of the 03 ALCS with the Yankees and Red Sox and Aaron Boone hit that walk-off in the 11th inning, I knew what was going to happen for like a few hours. Like, no no mystery held. I think a lot of people are going to end up buying this card just because they're clamoring for something new. I think this is going to be a benchmark to see where the public is about returning to normal fight schedules mm-hmm. and a return to sports. I think you touched upon a great point with the NFL draft this past week. The ratings were through the roof. Absolutely insane. Yeah. And that was just for the NFL. Yeah. Granted, the NFL is bigger than the UFC. Oh, yeah. Let's let's be honest about it. It's the second biggest sport in the world behind uh, soccer, I would say. Oh, yeah. No, it is. I think that's an honest statement. So the UFC, though, obviously has a big worldwide reach, too, and it's growing every every month when they have cards. So mm-hmm. you, you can't say that that fan base isn't going to be there. But I think it's going to be very, very telling to see what the turnout is because for many places, like we do with our friends over at Three Fat Nerds, we always have watch parties. Yeah, at you know Dragon Masters. So it's like, where do we go now, and where do we see this, and is the crowd going to turn out? Because obviously, with you know social distancing and everything going on with that, how is the buy rates going to be? Mm-hmm. I feel that there is going to be a spike too. Could I, be. I, I think that it's going to have a very good number. Mm-hmm. I think I don't know if it's going to eclipse any Conor McGregor or Brock Lesnar numbers. No, I don't think it will. It'll be close. I really, truly feel it will be close because what the UFC has done that has been very smart is to say we're having a return fight. This is such a big event. We need to come with the most stacked card we physically can. Mm-hmm. They have done an excellent job with this. I, in my opinion, mm-hmm. so we can just break down the card now. I mean, this yeah. is why we're going to just give you fight by fight and give you our predictions and see where we go from here. So, Pad, let's kick us off. All right, so where do you want to start? You want to start with the prelims? Uh, you know, because, yeah, because, I mean, the early prelims were saying Nico's taking this. Oh, yeah. So yep. let's get to the regular prelims. So at the regular prelims, you've got the middleweight matchup between Uriah Hall and then Jacare Souza. Now, this one is very interesting for a lot of different reasons. Uriah Hall was at one point the biggest uh, next big thing, you could Mm -hmm. say, the biggest phenom coming out of the Ultimate Fighter and for various reasons just didn't put it together. Yeah, no, it has a professional record of 24 matches and he's got 15 wins and 9 losses. Right. I mean, he has all the talent in the world, just sometimes when he gets in the cage, it just doesn't all add up. Mm -hmm. 
Jacare. Yeah, one yeah. of the scariest jujitsu practitioners in the world. I've I've said this once, and I'll say this again. If he takes you down to the mat, you are in for a very very long night, and you probably will not survive. So this fight at this stage, though, Kasuza is on the back end of the careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uriah Hall. I mean, we'll we'll see where he winds up. I am going to say I'm going to take Uriah Hall in an upset. Yeah, no, I'm going with the same thing. I mean, just looking at their records here, you've got. Uh, Uriah Hall on a two-fight win streak, uh, defeating the likes of Bevan Lewis at UFC 232, mm-hmm. and then Antonio Carlos Jr. Uh, at a UFC fight night in September of last year. And on the flip side, you've got uh, Jacare Souza, who's on a two-fight lose streak, streak uh, losing by unanimous decision to Jack Hermason at a UFC fight night in April of 2019, and then u- losing to Jan Blaskovitz by a split decision at a UFC fight night in November of last year. But I and like you said, Jacare back of in his career. I just don't think he's going to be able to beat Uriah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a very close fight. Mm-hmm. I just, I just think though, if if Uriah does not work on takedown defense and he gets mm-hmm. taken down, I, I'm sorry. There's two fighters that I always say if they take you down. Well, technically three, but Habib is on a whole different level. Of, yeah. Of, of his grappling. Yeah. I always say if Damian Maya or Jacare take you down, you're done, mm-hmm. and you don't get back up. So. If Hall can keep it on the feet, he's going to win this one. Oh, yeah. But, but it's going to be very close. Very yeah, close. Yeah. But I'll say this by a split decision. Uh, then we've got the women's strawweight matchup between Carla Esparza and Michelle Waterson. I really like this fight. Yeah, this should be good. I really do. I'm excited for it. Uh, Esparza has always been a tough competitor in the cage. Mm-hmm. Michelle Waterson definitely is no joke in her own right. I'm going to say Watterson in this one. Uh, I mean, I'm just looking. You've got uh, Esparza, who in 21 professional fights has a 15-6 and six, uh, record. And on the flip side, for Michelle Watterson, in 24 matches, she has a record of 17-7. and seven. Uh, I'm going to go decision on this one and say it's going to be Esparza, just because I'm looking at her record, and not even just wins and losses, just like rounds and times. She hasn't had a fight not go the distance since she got knocked out by Joanna Drzejczyk at UFC 185 in March of 2015. Yeah. Every other fight she's had has gone the distance or, or near the distance. So I'm going to say it's it's going to be uh, Carla Esparza in a decision. Well, Esparza likes to grapple. So, I mean, that's that's why I wouldn't say she's necessarily a knockout artist. So mm-hmm. I think that has to do with it. But if you're going against Drzejczyk, I mean, there, there's no you know shame of being knocked out by Drzejczyk. Oh, God, no. As you touched upon. So... I, but I think this one, like I say, it's, it's going to be a fun one for the prelims, mm-hmm. and I really like the matchup. And yeah, yeah. Like I say, I could definitely see Esparza winning, but I think Watterson is going to pull this one out. I, just, I think it's going to be close, though. I, I agree oh, yeah. with this split. Yep. Uh, then you've got the heavyweight matchup between Alexei Olnik and Fabricio Verdum. Verdum is returning. Yeah. This has been, I believe he was suspended for... Something like that. His last fight, uh, I'll look that up in a minute, but his, according to the, uh, his record on Wikipedia here, uh, his last fight was a loss to Alexander Volkov where he got knocked out, and that was at a UFC fight night uh, in March of 2018. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, he's come off suspension um, for uh, PEDs. Yeah, uh, here it is. Uh, Verdun was expected to face Alexei Olnik on the 15th of September 2018 at UFC Fight Night 136. However, on the 22nd of May, uh, Verdun was flagged for a potential USADA doping violation. Uh, In September 2018, it was revealed that the substance in question was Trenbolone. Uh, and was and as a result, he was suspended from competition for two years. Yeah, that's where I remember. It was a PED suspension. So, Verdum though is no joke in his own right. Nope. Great jujitsu, great overall. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's got all the tools, and he can definitely hang and bang. 
Uh, Olnick, no joke in his own right. However, though, I'm going to say Verdum is going to take this one. Yeah, I'm saying, good Lord, I just looked at Olnick's record. Oh, my Jesus. Uh, 72 matches in his professional career, 58 wins and 13 losses. He's got 46 wins by submission. Good Lord. There's a lot of tread on those tires. There's a lot of tread on those tires. And with that being said, I'm going to go with Fabrizio on this one. Uh, yeah, I, that's why I say this one's going to wind up. I mean, Olenek is definitely on the other end of the career. Mm-hmm. So Verdum, though, to see him come back, I don't think there's going to be any octagon jitters. I think it's going to be he wants, he wants to make a quick statement and get back into the heavyweight title fight. Yep. And then we've got kind of the, the creme de la creme of the prelim card, Donald Cowboy Cerrone versus Anthony Showtime Pettis. Well, this one shall be a fun one for us, the fans. Uh-huh. Anthony Showtime Pettis always shows up. He's a personal favorite of mine, so I have been watching him since the WEC days. He is no joke. I mean, Pad, you can look through his record of fights, mm-hmm. and I believe him and Mr. Cerrone have danced once. Yeah, uh, give me a second to look through. Yep, uh, they fought back in uh, UFC on Fox uh, card back in January of 2013 uh, where he KO'd Cerrone via a kick to the body. Right. So Pettis is known for his strike, and Pettis will stay in there. I mean, Pettis has fought everybody and anybody in that. He beat Stevens, Lozon, and Cerrone, and then Henderson, and then Melendez in a row. Yeah. Good Lord. Well, at one point, we're talking a former lightweight champion, and he was going to be the next guy, too. I mean, until he ran into, I believe it was Rafael Dos Anjos, and gave him. Yep. He got that concussion that first round, and, and. Never really got back on track. No, yeah, that was after that streak of wins I mentioned. He did lose to Rafael Dos Anjos uh, at UFC 185 via uh, unanimous decision. Yeah. And, I mean, he hung in there and and took a hell of a beating, though. But I remember he got concussed that first round because he never looked right the same. Mm. And Pettis has kind of been on a little bit journey back and forth, uh, dipping in the featherweight and, and, and stepping up to welterweight. So now I, I I don't want to say he's he's at the journeyman point of the career, but I think mm-hmm. that's that's a very fair statement to make. So I'm going to say he is there. And to flip the coin, Donald Cerrone. I mean, what else can you say about the future Hall of Famer? Yeah, anytime, any place, anywhere. He is coming back from the loss to Conor McGregor mm-hmm. from the shoulder shot that knocked him out. I mean, is a legit shot. I know. I was reading online. People thought he faked that. No, I I could not believe that no. when I read that. I was like. It, yeah, You're saying he faked that. You don't know Cerrone very well. Exactly. There's no chance that that was a fake or a dive. He took a legit shoulder shot that he was not ready for. And let's face it, we all love Donald Cerrone. Mm-hmm. He is not exactly a spring chicken no. in the sport. No. And there is a certain point where fighters start losing their chin. Well, say so he's 37 years old. And now while you say, oh, 37, that's not that old. Mm-hmm. He's got 51 professional. And note I say professional fights under his record that's not accounting for anything that's like semi-pro or like not professional Mm -hmm. so that being said i'm not saying cerrone is done but one thing i i will be very focused on during this fight is how well his chin holds up to Mm, shots yeah because his last three losses are all TKOs. Right. First one was a doctor stoppage uh, against Tony Ferguson. Of course, that was the blow on the nose incident. Yep. Uh, then it was a TKO from Justin Gaethje. And then, of course, as you mentioned, the TKO from Conor McGregor. Right. And to go through wars with those gentlemen, mm-hmm. because Ferguson, that was a fight. Like, you want to yeah. talk about a fight? That was a real fight. Yeah. Gaethje. There's only one direction he goes, and we'll talk about this during our preview of his fight, is forward. And he is probably the closest to a walking rock'em sock'em robot you'll ever see. Pretty much. 
So Cerrone has been through wars with many, many fighters. That being said, I'm going to take Pettis. Yeah. I don't say it's going to be a first-round knockout. No, no. But I think Cerrone's going to get stopped. Mm -hmm. I just feel at this stage in his career that the chin is slowly starting to fade. Yeah. And there's no shame in saying it, but when you get rocked by that shoulder shot that McGregor gave, it was a very tough shot, Mm -hmm. but was it one that you feel that you got knocked out by? And granted, I know I'm playing armchair fighter here, but watching it and just going in my head, you went through a war with Ferguson. Mm -hmm. Gaethje rocked your world. Yeah, We can go back further through your timeline if we really want to deep dive into it. Mm -hmm. To really get rocked by a shoulder shot at at this age, it's not an insult, but it was something that... The only thing I can compare it to is when Chuck Liddell started losing his chin. Yeah. And then when the final blow came, when he got knocked out by a broken arm mm-hmm. by Rich Franklin. Let, let me repeat that. A broken arm and knocked For those him of out. you who aren't doctors, you can't hit as hard with a broken arm as you could have healed one. Right. So I fear that that's going to be the way of Cerrone right now. Yeah. So I am taking Pettis. I'm going to say in the second round stoppage, mm. it'll still be a fun fight. Cerrone might prove me wrong. And, I, you know, just for fighter's sake, I hope he does. I'm not, oh, yeah. I'm not wishing anything bad on him by any means. Yeah. I'm just looking at this going, you're 37 years old. The wear and tear that your body has taken through the wars that you have been in. And you can go Wikipedia, Google, mm-hmm. UFC search the names he has fought. And I mean names. Oh, yeah. His, uh, so I'm just looking through his Wikipedia page. His first professional MMA record was in February of 2006. Now, you flip over. He's got a record in uh, Muay Thai. Muay Thai record. Muay Thai. Muay Thai record here. Uh, his earliest fight in that is dated February of 2005. And then you flip over to that. He's even got one boxing match under his belt where he fought a gentleman uh, and lost in November of 2003. Right, so you're talking about a 20-year career of professional fighting. Yeah. So let that sink in. And this is also the legend that is anytime, anyplace, anywhere, who will jump in and fight at a, at a week's notice. Not even a week's, like a day's notice. Yeah, I mean, this is the guy that used to go to fights at a certain weight just if he needed to fill in. This is this is the guy that when Diaz, one of the Diaz brothers, I forget which one it was, was getting ready to fight Anderson Silva in, in Brazil and hadn't shown up to Brazil yet and nobody knew where he was. Rumor had it Cerrone was walking around Brazil at weight and ready to go if need be. Yeah, I mean, he is a legend in the sport, so you can't take anything away from him about that. No. It's just a matter of, at this stage in the career... Father time. Father time catches up with you, and especially in the fight game, Mm -hmm. the chin starts to fade, and once that goes, it's a wrap. Oh, yeah, I I think it's going to be Anthony Pettis. Nothing against Cerrone, like everything you said. You know, storied career, Hall of Fame career, legendary career, go down as one of the greats. Mm. You know, but... I, he's got more miles in the fight game behind him than I think he has ahead of him. And, you know, just do a little comparison. You know, there's a trailer that dropped today for the uh, WWE Network special about uh, Undertaker. And there's mm. something in there. I, I can't remember. If, I, I think it might have been uh, Edge or Shawn Michaels that said, like, you never really know when the end's going to be until you're there. Right. And I think the same can be said for Donald Cerrone. You know, I don't think he's got many more fights in front of him. And I think we might be at the end. You know, I, I don't wish ill on the guy. I don't wish to see him get knocked out. 
or have something happen like a Chuck Liddell. You know, go out on your own terms and what have you, but I just think you look at the record and you look at what he's been, you know, you look at his past history and kind of how he's lost where it's been, you know, okay, or, or occasional TKO, maybe a unanimous decision, you know, maybe a, a submission here or there. Mm-hmm. But now it's just, you know, his last three fights all very early in the in main event uh, situations. I, I, I think it's going to be showtime. I definitely think so too. So that being said, I mean, the prelims are all set. Let's jump to the main event. Or main card, yeah. Because it just you could say any one of these fights could be a main event, except oh, yeah. for, except for the one that we're gonna kick off with. That's Greg Hardy versus Jorgan De Castro. I am taking De Castro in this. Yep. Um, if the other gentleman wins, you gotta give him somebody in the top ten. Yeah. And and let's... I mean, I don't even necessarily agree with that, just because uh, he's got eight matches, five and two record. His last fight was a loss to Alexander Volkov in November of last year. Uh, then it was a no contest uh, against Ben Sassoli in October of last year. So and so it's like okay, you really haven't beaten anybody since you know uh, you beat Juan Adams at UFC on ESPN in July of 2019. So like okay, congratulations, you know you've beaten a couple of guys. Well, I know that that he has been you know running through the competition they've thrown at him. Sure, with the exception of what the no contest. Yeah, yeah, the no contest was originally uh, you know, a unanimous decision for Hardy, but was uh, overturned after he used an inhaler between rounds. Yes, so that being said, like I said, if he gets past this and they start talking the hype train behind him again, give him somebody in the low top 10, top mm-hmm. 10, 15. Just give it to him and, and see what he's got because for the, the, the ones that you've given him thus far, I'm saying they've been handed to him. Oh, yeah, they absolutely have because I'm looking at So you will just look at uh, his record on Wikipedia, and usually most people have uh, links to their uh, their fight pages. Uh, out of the folks he's out of the uh, eight folks he's fought, one, two, three, half of them have pages. Uh, the Austin Lane, who was his first professional fight on Dana White's Contender Series, has a page. His next one, two, three uh, fighters don't have a page, so I can't even tell what their record is without doing some digging. You know, so to me, yeah, no, he's been handed guys. Yeah, he's been handed guys since he came from the Contender. Mm-hmm. So if he's supposed to be the quote-unquote real deal, give him some real competition. Yeah, because his, his one fight uh, against uh, Dimitri Somol, Somolkov, however you say that, uh, who Greg beat on uh, April of 2019 at a UFC fight night who he knocked out, did one UFC. He did a couple UFC fights, never anybody major, and then got kicked out of UFC. Yeah, so like I say, give him some real competition. I was going to say, had I not seen Junior Dos Santos walking around almost at 205, yeah, yeah there, there's an Instagram picture going around yeah. right now that he's been really cutting weight. I don't know yeah. if he's doing the Coach Duffy Cato dial. That's terrifying. It, it's something, yeah. If he can get down to 205, I'd, I'd be frightened. Yeah. But I would say give him somebody in that kind of realm. Like Give him a really big name that will stand there and really give him a challenge. Yeah. Because I'm hoping DeCastro does something to really warrant this because this is just another handpicked fight. To elevate Hardy's status, I think it is because DeCastro doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Yeah, like I said, I'm I'm just I really want to see him get tested. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of him, so nope. We'll just leave it at that. Next fight. After that, you've got the featherweight matchup between Jeremy Stevens and Calvin Qatar. All right, now, like I said, this one is going to be a fun one. Qatar 
has been a very underrated fighter. He's definitely a game fighter for the featherweight yeah. division. Jeremy Stevens has been close, but no cigar so many times. And Always I hate, the bridesmaid, never the bride. I hate saying it too, but it's uh, it's a fact. The guy can throw hands like nobody else in that division. Nineteen. He's got out of forty six professional matches in MMA. He's got twenty eight wins, seventeen losses, nineteen wins are by knockout. Exactly. Oof. So you know what you're getting with Stevens. I, he's another one like Cerrone, though, that he mm-hmm. has been in there for quite a long time. I think he's he's in, the, like, the, I want to say the top five of most most consist, er, uh, consecutive fights in the UFC. Yeah, probably. For that stat. Um, probably. He's, he's, he's in there. Like, he's been fighting forever in that the, in the UFC, whether it's been lightweight or featherweight. So, for him in featherweight, he's got to make a run, and he's got to make a run now. Uh, I know last time he is coming off a loss, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, uh, his last, well, a couple of losses here. Uh, he lost, uh, his last fight was a loss to, unanimous decision loss to Yair Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. That was in October of 2019. Uh, and then it was a no contest against Yair Rodriguez prior to that in September of 2019. That's right, that the, the I Poke Doom. That was the I Poke Doom. Uh, and then before that was a unanimous decision loss to Zabit. Uh, in U- UFC 235 in March of last year, and then before that was a TKO loss to Jose Aldo in July of 2018. So I, the Rodriguez fight, though, was a very close one. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rodriguez just he definitely showed up for that one. That that was yeah. the thing that he turned on the second gear. If memory serves me right, so for Stevens, it's now or never. Mm-hmm. You got to put it together. I do like him in this fight, though, so I'm going to take him by split decision. Sure. If it doesn't happen here, ah, man, I don't know what I don't know what the future holds for him. Yeah. I, you know, it's almost like when the Conor McGregor comment was like, "Who the are you?" Mm-hmm. at the at the infamous press conference yeah. of sound bites. Oh yeah. So yeah. Steven's got to make that win. He's got to win. This is now or never for him. I'm going to say Calvin on a shocker. I mean, I'm just looking at it here. Uh, he's got 24 professional matches in his record and 20 wins and four losses. Uh, his last fight was a loss to Zabit in a, by a unanimous decision at a UFC fight night in November of last year. Uh, before that, he had back-to-back wins against Ricardo Lamas, who he knocked out at UFC 238 in July or excuse me June of last year. And then he also beat Chris Fishgold uh, via TKO at at a UFC fight night in October of 2018. Uh, you know, and then he had a loss against uh, Renato Moicano by unanimous decision in April of 2018. And before that, uh, his two previous UFC fights were both wins. Uh, I'm going to say just because Stevens, he's got a little tread on the tires, a few miles behind him. You know, you look at Calvin Guitar, a little bit of an up-and-comer. He's got something to prove, nothing to lose. I'd say I wouldn't be surprised if there's a shocking upset here. I definitely not ruling out of thumb. I mean, to lose his last fight, he's lost to Zabit. Mm-hmm. No shame in that. Zabit's going to be fighting for the title by well, so yeah, Zabit within the next year. Yeah, Calvin's last fight, Zabit, I should mention, one fight of the night. Yeah, so it's definitely going to be a good fight. It's going to be solid, like I say. I For Stevens, though, I think there's going to be the more motivation. Mm-hmm. But I'm not down Qatar pulling something out, too. Like, this one, I think, will go split. I also, also, I, also I should note, uh, he went toe-to-toe with Zabit for the full distance, three five-minute rounds in Russia. Yeah, Oof. no joke. Nope, no absolutely, joke. absolutely not. Uh, after that, you've got the heavyweight matchup between Francis Ngannou and then Yarzino Rosenstruck. And again, apologize if I messed that name up. Well, this one is going to be for uh, title consideration for whoever is going to face the winner of Miocic versus Cormier down this the road. This fight is for whoever wants to get their soul claimed. Yeah, both guys throw Oof. heavy hands, but Francis Oof. Ngannou... Just look at the highlight knockout he did on Alistair Overeem, where uh-huh. you literally saw you saw you saw Soul leave a body. Yep. Try saying that three times fast. I can't. Every time I see that fight, I cringe because just how 
Ngannou hit him with so much force, you see his neck snap. Mm-hmm. I literally thought he broke his neck. That's how hard yeah. Ngannou hits. Yeah. Now, Ngannou has been at the top of the mountain before. Definitely was exposed for not having wrestling. It's like beating a who's who in the heavyweight division. I mean, beating Junior Dos Santos, Cain Velasquez, Curtis Blades, Alistair Overeem, Andre Arlovsky. Uh, Curtis Blades, again, you know, you just look at the names and good Lord. Right. The only one he's had problems with is Miosic. Yep. Uh, lost to Stipe Miosic uh, via unanimous decision in January of 2018. That was for the UFC Heavyweight Championship. And then uh, lost his next fight uh, against Derek Lewis via unanimous decision uh, at UFC 226 in July of 2018. And that fight was absolutely garbage, too. Mm-hmm. Just because they wouldn't throw hands. That was that was the ball. Oh, that's right. That was the ballroom dance. Yep, that was the ballroom oh, dance. Oh god, one. that was awful. That was such a horrific fight. So Ngannou has finally got back on track. Rosenstruck, uh, you know, he has been a very quiet fighter. Ten and zero in his professional record, sneaking up there. Oof. So this is a real test for him. So he got uh, in the UFC. Uh, he's got a ten and zero record. He's got one, two, three, four fight. Four of those are in the UFC. Uh, notably, last two fights knocked out Andre Arlovsky. Uh, 29 seconds into the first round at UFC 244, uh, that was back in November, mm-hmm. and then knocked out Alistair Overeem. That was right at the end of the fifth round uh, at a UFC on ESPN in December of last year. So that being said, Pat, who you got? Oh, uh, the fans. In all honesty, I think it's going to be end up being Ngannou. I think it's going to be Ngannou too. Nothing on Rosenstruck. I think Ngannou is more hungry right now, mm-hmm. and I think that he knows that against a, a top-level striker, he's got to win by knockout. Yeah, and I think he, I think he's got a little added motivation to it, too, just because you remember he had that rocket strapped to him, mm-hmm. deservedly so, Oh yeah, uh, where he's rising through the ranks and he's knocking guys out and he's winning fights, and then he had those back-to-back bad losses. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that chip is still on his shoulder where, you know, the casual fans might not know and might not care, but... You know, the diehard fans and the fans he sees online are still going, ah, you're good, but you still got those two bad losses on your record. And I think he wants to prove people that those are just a, you know, a bump in the road. And that's why I say I think he's going to come out a little more chip because Rosenstruck is a very skilled fighter. Oh, yeah. But he's in the same vein of Derek Lewis of just, you know what you're getting. You're getting hands. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about really a takedown. We haven't seen too much of Rosenstruck do that, to my opinion. So for Nganu, he's got to win. He's got to win decisively, mm-hmm. and he has to make a statement win because – as we are recording, there has been some more back-and-forth chatter between Miosic and Cormier. Okay. That they want to fight in August. Sure. So whoever wins this fight, I can see getting penciled in to fight the winner of that one down the road, mm-hmm. pending whatever's going to go on. Because I, I like right now, they're just kind of going back and forth about who wants a camp. And, sure, sure. And I know Miosic is, is firefighting in Cleveland right now. Yep. Uh, being a first responder. So... That being said, I you no, know it's like you said though. I'm looking at Rosenstruck's record here. He is very much a one trick pony. Like I said, ten and zero, nine wins by knockout, one by decision. Yeah, so yeah, like so a, no lay and pray. Yeah, so you know what you're gonna get out of this one. So for his sake, uh, he's really gotta make a statement fight if he can get that win. I'm not saying he's gonna get penciled in for number one contender, but it's a he'll, hard. He'll argument. be in the conversation. He has a hard argument not to make for it. And yeah, for Ngannou, he needs he needs this fight to stay relevant, and he yeah. needs a decisive win. Too. Oh yeah. But, yeah, hopefully this is not a snooze fest because it was no. ballroom dance and we're going to light up Twitter. Woof. After that, you've got the co-main event with, for the Bantamweight Championship between champion Henry Cejudo taking on Dominic Cruz. Cejudo, the champ champ who suddenly developed an ego overnight by winning a split decision over Demetrius Johnson. Mm-hmm. I just want to make that point known. 
for how Cejudo has been anointing himself champ champ and really trying his best to be Conor McGregor, mm-hmm. I'm not buying it. No. Because you, you, you won a close fight against Demetrius Johnson. Congratulations. DJ never got his rematch. No, and, and that was the second matchup between the two. DJ knocked his ass out in the first round uh-huh. back at UFC 197 in April of 2016. Exactly. So for the amount of trash that he has been talking, I applaud him because he's now made himself into a relevant star. Congratulations. But you have now painted a very big bullseye on your back. Uh-huh. That you're don't, no- don't talk, you know, don't write checks your butt can't cash. And you have called out many, many names, and I agree with you, Pat, because he has definitely written some checks, and somebody is going to cash in on him. This fight has been a very difficult road to make, but for Dominic Cruz to come back and to see the king of the bantamweights come back uh-huh. and fight is, is truly remarkable. I mean, we, we've talked about it. He has blown his knees out both times. Yeah, He's had lengthy layoffs. Yeah, The last fight... Uh, when he came back, uh, I know he lost uh, T.J. Dillashaw, I believe. No. So he he had a fairly regular string of fights up until it looks like October of 2011 where he beat Demetrius Johnson via unanimous decision. After that, his next fight wasn't until UFC 178 in 2014. After that, it wasn't until he beat T.J. Dillashaw by a split decision in January of 2016, and then he beat Uriah Faber by unanimous decision in 2016, uh, and then lost in his last matchup to Cody Garbrandt by unanimous decision in December of 2016. See, I always forget because Team Alpha Male and Dominic Cruz, you could almost like swap in different names yeah. of who Cruz has ran through. Yeah. And obviously, when T.J. Dillashaw left that camp, he got a lot better. Mm-hmm. So I was was thinking that like that fight was supposed to happen again. But I know when Cruz won, I, coming off that loss against Garbrandt, and obviously the team Alpha fails as he calls them. Yeah, uh, Cruz has been relatively quiet. He's been doing a great job on commentary, though. Oh yeah, no, he's great on commentary. Yeah, so to see him come back in any kind of condition, I'm excited to see. I, I'm really intrigued where his footwork is going to be because mm-hmm. the one thing about Cruz's fights, which you'll get a lot of various reactions from the MMA fans. Sure. He fights a certain style that some will say is boring. Others will say is so advanced and technical because his footwork, you can't lay a hand on him. Right. And he sticks and moves for 25 minutes and doesn't lose a beat. It's along the same lines, I would say, of a lay and pray by uh, GSP. Yeah, maybe a little like, bit. Like he knows he can beat you and is just – toying around with you mm-hmm. and albeit though when he came back from the first major knee surgery he had and um i believe he, he beat uh, uh mazasaki there but uh, yes he did it decisively like he came in with a vengeance and that uh, was, yeah it was one minute and one second into the first round yeah he was not messing around and he wanted to make sure that fight the fellow fighters and fans knew he was back he needs to come out with that kind of aggression in this mm-hmm. one because sahudo you know what the game plan is going to be press you up olympic wrestler and just wear you down. That's what he's coming with. Yeah. So can Cruz stay on the defense enough to make offense? That's the question. So that being said, I am taking and new Dominic Cruz in the biggest comeback story in MMA history. Oh, yeah. Or one of them anyway. Yeah, no, I'm agreeing with you. I think Cruz has got a lot to prove. I think he's got a big chip on his shoulder. I think he's been listening to people for four years 
you know, doubt him and kind of cast some shade on him. And then and, and maybe in some instances that might be deservedly so. But I think he's got all the motivation in the world to come out, you know, like a rocket strapped to him and just knock out Cejudo. And I know there's been a very vocal group online complaining that Cruz got the title shot. Mm-hmm. Let me break something down very quickly to just kind of elaborate on that. Yes, the bantamweight division has other contenders that could jump in. But if Dana White wants to generate super fights, who is a bigger name right now than Cruz that casual fans are going to know? Not name Jose Aldo, not name Uriah Faber, not name TJ Dillashaw, not name Cody Garbrandt. That is my answer to that. Cruz is a name. Mm-hmm. Pat, unless you got a different name. No, nah, Cruz is the only one I can think of that even casuals will know just because, like you said, he's been on commentary. Yeah, so fans will know him, and that's why he's getting the title shot. So you can either hate it or agree with it, but that's why he's getting the shot. And he has a very, very good chance, in my opinion, being Cejudo. And then it's going to get interesting after that. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Now to the main event. Yep, you've got uh, for the interim lightweight championship, Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje. Ped, we often talk about don't blink. Mm-hmm. We often talk about slobber knockers if we're talking pro wrestling like Jim Ross would say. Yes. This fight could be the most violent fight in MMA history. It's going to get nasty. I am not exaggerating about this. To look at both gentlemen's track records, Tony Ferguson is a nonstop move forward, elbows, kicks, punch, just machine. Mm-hmm. And you can go through various fights. I believe he's on a 10-fight win streak, if I'm not mistaken. His last loss was to Michael Johnson via unanimous decision at UFC on Fox, Diaz versus Miller, on May 5th, 2012. Right. Good Lord. He has been a totally different fighter since that fight. He has left a trail of blood and broken bones throughout that division. I was saying, and, and during that time, he's had two fights. Count them. Two. Go to decision. Yes. That is how he has elevated his game. And this is why when it was originally announced that him and Habib were going to fight. They've tried making this fight five times. Yeah. And for whatever reason, that fight is cursed. You very, so we got to find that like witch or witch doctor and just take care of him. Good Lord. Whoever has put that curse on this fight, yeah, stop. please stop because we need to see that fight at some point. But to flip the coin, Justin Gaethje has been long overdue for a title shot, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I know that when Conor McGregor has come into the picture, he Gaethje gets pushed to the backside, which makes no damn sense to me. None. Gaethje has been an absolute beast. So he's a monster, and his he's got 23 professional fights, 21-2 uh, and two record, was on an 18-fight win streak in his professional career before his first loss where Eddie Alvarez knocked him out with a knee uh, in the third round at UFC 218 in December of 2017. Think about that. Making your professional debut way back in August of 2011 and winning your next, your, your first 18 fights in a row. That's insane. Oh, it's absolutely bonkers. Mm-hmm. If you really want to put it into perspective. Yeah, oh yeah. And for when Gaethje came over, 
too, because he has not always been in the UFC. No, uh, his first UFC fight was against Michael Johnson, and that was in July of 2017. Prior to that, he was in the World Series of Fighting for a number of years, and then a couple of other smaller promotions. And with that being said, Gaethje is just straightforward, rock him, sock him. He is the, uh-huh. the epitome of it. He does not quit. If you just want to see just wars of attrition, you hear that term get thrown around so much in combat sports, this is the guy that does it. Oh, yeah. And this is a guy that he does not care who you put in front of him. He just goes forward. And you take a look at the names he has fought. Oh, yeah. He's fought Cerrone. He's fought Eddie Alvarez. He has just been on a absolute tear in the UFC since he's gotten here. Uh-huh. And like I said, his first fight against Michael Johnson was just a, a just sheer brutality. Uh-huh. Gaethje has very underrated wrestling. And this is why I've talked to uh, common man Vince Atoli from Crow's Nest MMA here locally about it. Gaethje has been always his guy to say he's going to be the one to beat Khabib. Uh-huh. I'm hard-pressed not to say yes. But this fight will finally give us who is definitively going to face Khabib in August, I believe, is when their timeline in this fight, pending okay. me- pending medical suspensions. Right, right. Which I guarantee you somebody's getting one out of this. Yeah, there's no way they're making it out of this unscathed. So, Pad... The million-dollar question, mm-hmm. who you got? I'm going to say Ferguson. I think he's got, like I've said a couple times, he's got all the motivation in the world. I think he wants to fight Habib as much as we want him to fight Habib. I also want to factor in he's been in camp and at weight for like over a month now. Like originally, don't let's not forget, the card was originally supposed to take place like two, three weeks ago. He made weight. He hasn't stopped training. He's still at weight. There was no lull in his training where he kind of took a few few days off ate some pizzas, ate, you know, ate some popcorn, what have you. No, he's kept going. This man has been at, you know, at camp for Lord knows how long, and I think he's going to be able to do it and beat Gaethje. That's nothing against Gaethje. Gaethje's an absolute beast. But I just think you look at the time and you look at the, the track record and the names Ferguson's beat, Cerrone, Pettis, uh, Dos Anjos, Edson Barbosa, you know, Josh Thompson. It's a who's who of, of fighters. This one, man. Looking at this, I'm just hoping we get to Saturday and everybody's still fighting. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Gaethje, 21 and 2. Ferguson, 26 and 3. The lineage is there. And even going by the good old stat uh, breakdowns that they have on UFC.com, I laugh that they have takedown accuracy for Tony Ferguson's 42%. <laughs> they have zero for Justin Gaethje. Yeah. Takedown average, zero for Justin Gaethje. And submission average zero for yeah. Justin Gaethje. Yeah. So, but he has an eighty percent defense for takedowns. So, this being said, I am taking Justin Gaethje in the upset. Okay. I like listen. If Ferguson wins, I'm not going to be mad. I just sense that Gaethje is going to stay in the pocket. Ferguson's going to throw him everything he's got, literally, and Gaethje will still come forward. Gaethje will not get knocked out easy. I'm not saying Ferguson's going to get knocked out, but I just have this sense that Gaethje will sit there and absorb everything and win the late rounds. This could be a split decision. This is not going to be a unanimous decision. Gaethje for the upset, and then we get that dream fight. As much as I want to see Ferguson versus Habib, uh-huh. we get Gaethje, Habib later this year. UFC 249 is going down this Saturday night on ESPN Plus in the States. Check your local listings if you're watching internationally. 
Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts on UFC 249? We definitely want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference. Hey, this is Vince, the Cowman Toy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up-and-coming newest podcast. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And the UFC is not the only event going on this weekend. Nope. The WWE is having their annual Money in the Bank pay-per-view going down this coming Sunday live on the WWE Network. It is the big, dare I say, prelude for how the rest of the year is going to go after WrestleMania. It's a prelude for the rest of the year and also the night where Sony gets determined to carry a briefcase for the next, you know, nine to 12 months. Right, because the winners of the main events get a determined by their discretion title shot. Mm -hmm. Anytime, anywhere, any place. Yep, throughout the calendar year. So this has led to some great storylines going through the various years when Edge cashed in on John Cena to win it. That was a magical moment. His first time he won a world title. Ziggler at the Raw after Mania. Yep, I was in attendance for that. Yeah, I, I also remember very fondly uh, all the antics and hilarity uh, Seth Rollins had it when he and Dean Ambrose were feuding. Yes. Especially when Dean stole it for that one night, gave it back to Seth, opened it, and then some like Nickelodeon slime came spewing out of there. Yeah. It, the the briefcase has kind of taken on a life of its own, mm-hmm. and everybody kind of has a little different fun with it. I know when Brock Lesnar had it, it was the Brock party. Oh, my God, the, be- the beatbox. Yeah. So, I mean, they have so much various things that can go along with this that the Money in the Bank has just taken on a life of its own. That's why instead of the big four pay-per-views in pro wrestling, it's considered the big five. Mm-hmm. So that being said, we are going to give our breakdown of the card. Now, we do know that this will be taking place at a couple different locations. Yep. WWE Performance Center, where they've been filming Monday Night Raw, Friday Night SmackDown, and NXT. No, NXT is still at full sale. Nah, I don't know. Oh, actually, I think it's been at both. Or maybe it's been at both. They've been kind of rotating a little bit. Um there, the the majority of this card though is going to be from the performance center. And from what I've been reading, the stuff that takes place at the performance center will be live. It will be happening as you see it. But the stuff involving the ladder matches has already been taped. Yes, because that is going to be taking place or has already taken place at Titan Towers, the WWE headquarters in Stanford, Connecticut. I can only imagine the kind of fun they're going to be having with us. Well, if you take a look at what they've been doing lately with the Firefly Funhouse match and mm-hmm. the Boneyard match from WrestleMania. Yeah. 
they've been borrowing the ideas from Matt Hardy about doing the Hardy compound and really implementing them to WWE programming. A lot of that has to do with Jeremy Borash, who's part of the production team now. Right. Who is a part of Impact when they were doing the Hardy Compound series. Oh, yeah. It was very, very loved by the internet. Yes. Which, it definitely is a change of pace from your traditional wrestling It's show. nice. It's nice. I mean, I like them to do it few and far between. So sure. I'm, I'm really interested to see how they're going to do it for this because from what the rumors have been is both men's and women's money in the bank ladder matches are going to be going on at the same time which is going to get wild like i like i like that i like that idea just because okay in a normal ladder match for the money in the bank briefcase you've got a lot of shenanigans ensuing where you know i'll try to help you with this but then i'm going to turn on you all of a sudden you might have a situation where you might have men and women working together and then all of a sudden oh wait i gotta turn on you for whatever reason yeah, I mean, there's so much different dynamics that can go on with this, which mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a fun match. I just hope they don't go completely overkill about this. No, yeah. That, that's what's only scaring me about this yeah. because as much as it's cool to see, I don't want to see my weekly wrestling shows turn out like this. Sure. Like, don't get me wrong. The closest I can describe this as, like, if you ever watch Lucha Underground on El Rey mm-hmm. when it was in business, they used to break away and do, like, the dramatic uh, storyline enhancement stuff and it was shot like, mm-hmm. a, shot like a film. And mm-hmm. then they come back to live reaction and they go back and forth, back and forth. Sure. Okay. Okay, that works for that. Sure. But for WWE, uh, I know a lot of fans are more for the traditional Monday night. We'll just call it the Monday night shot mm-hmm. where it's just live in front of a live audience. We don't need all the theatrics. They're not too big on that. But, there's sure. a, but there is a group that is big on the, the cinematic style. But I, like I say, few and far between, I'm really good with. I don't need to see sure. it. Sure. No, yeah. I like, like it as sparingly as they've been using it. I wouldn't want to see it every week. Yeah. Like, I don't want it, to. Because it'll lose a little luster. Yeah. And I just hate with Vince if he gets really in love with it. He's going, like, oh, that's some good shit, pal. Yeah. Let's do it again. If his if his desk doesn't get destroyed in their fight from, like, the ground floor to the, the roof of the building, I'm going to be a little disappointed. There's going to be something completely wonky about there's gonna, it. There, I imagine there's going to be a lot of Easter eggs in the background. There's going to be a lot of cameo appearances. You know, maybe a callback to their Super Bowl commercial from back in the day. Ooh, I'd love to see that. You know, I, they're going to have some fun with it. I feel like you're not going to go to the trouble of having this match where, if I understand it right, they're going to be fighting from the ground floor all the way up to the roof of the building, which it's a fairly large building. Yeah. You know, it's not New York City skyscraper big, but it's a still fairly, fairly big building. I had better hear the Donkey Kong theme, though. Oh, God. Somewhere in that get remixed because th- that's what I, it reminds me of. Mm, I'd say maybe normally, but Nintendo can be stingy about that stuff. Because that's what I just see. Like, I see, like, Braun Strowman throwing chairs down at people like he's not ready to get off the top there. <laughs> can, like, they, can they do a situation like a, whatever it was with TLC where all the, the stack of chairs that was stringed up in the air just got dropped? Can they do something like that? They're going to do something really crazy for yeah. it. So it's going to be fun to watch when it comes out on Sunday. But let's give our breakdown of the card going into it, though. Mm-hmm. So that being said, kicking off on the pre-show, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you've got the Intercontinental Championship between uh, champion Sami Zayn versus Drew Gulak. I would love to see Gulak win here. I would, too. Um, but Zayn... Uh, you know, has been on a tear right now that he's healthy. He's actually got a title run. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see him get maybe some more mileage out of it before doing a belt change, but yeah. I wouldn't be mad. I think this is going to be a really fun match. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that being said, I'm taking Zane. Yeah, no, I'm going to say, mm, yeah, no, Zane. Just I think, you know, with everything going on and he finally getting a title run, give him a little bit more of a run. Yeah, I definitely want to see that. And, and plus, I mean, they just paired Drew Gulak with Daniel Bryan. So before they start feuding again mm-hmm. or do the eventual break, I think they kind of have to, you know, just have Drew be the guy that's always like in Daniel's shadow right now. Maybe that pushes mm-hmm. him over. So I don't see that happen. Yeah. So Zane for the win. Yep. And then you've got for the Raw Tag Team Championship, you've got the Street Profits defending their belts against the Viking Raiders. Now this 
has developed a little bit of a storyline to it. Because mm-hmm. um, last night on Monday Night Raw, as we were recording, the Viking Raiders defeated the Street Profits. And their whole storyline has been the Street Profits have never defeated the Viking Raiders, dating back to NXT, and they were mm-hmm. showing the footage. And mm-hmm. last night was no exception. Sure. So going into this, uh, which I for this storyline, I'm really – excited about because i think both teams really get in there and once they put away the gimmicks because i mean i'm sorry i'm still traumatized by that awful viking raiders gimmick they did from the car mm. where they were eating ham and singing and yeah yeah i mean yeah. it's like no stop 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 yeah. this yeah it was, it was cringeworthy yeah. i i just want to see them really just kind of tear it up and let them let them go for a little bit and see what they can do so uh, for my prediction, I'm saying the Street Profits finally get that big win. Yeah, no, just with everything the way they've been presenting it, where they've never beaten them, and even back to NXT, and you're showing the footage, it's like, okay, right, you're setting them up for a big win and finally get over that. You know, Peyton Manning never beats Tom Brady in the playoffs until he finally did. You know, I think the same's going to happen here. Yeah, so it should be a fun pre-show. And yeah. then once we get to the main show, kicking that off? Uh, you've got these for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship, you've got the New Day defending their belts against the Forgotten Sons, Miz and Morrison, and then Lucha House Party. Okay, where do I begin? Uh, the tag team division in SmackDown has gotten just... Let's say leaves a little bit as little to be desired. Well, there's no clear-cut direction of what they're doing, in my opinion. No. And one thing I really struggle with is they keep on doing the fatal four-way matches, the triple threat matches for your belts. Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of getting to the point where it's old and, and it's just kind of watch, rinse, repeat. And I know that the Forgotten Sons have gotten the call up. I've, I've heard a lot of rumors because one of the Usos is hurt. Uh, yes, Jimmy uh, Uso is reportedly out for the next six to nine months with a knee injury. Oh, jeez. They can't catch yeah. Those guys can't catch a break lately. Just came back and now he's injured again. That's terrible news. It is terrible news. So that being said, I, I gave our predictions. We, we kind of did a little more deep dive on the 3FNW show this week. I am sticking with my upset pick. I'm taking the Lucha House Party for reasons. I'm going to say Forgotten Sons just because they're kind of coming out of nowhere, at least for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I watch NXT fairly regularly. I might miss an episode here or there. But to me, okay, they've been featured a little bit. They've had some big matches. But it's never been like, okay, you're ha- you know, go back and watch the NXT pay-per-views. They've never had a big match on a, on a takeover. They've never really been in a main event that I, at least that I can remember off the top of my head on an NXT. So it's kind of interesting that they're getting thrown in there. And okay, yeah, you can have the New Day and Miz and Morrison just trade the belt back and forth. But you've been doing that with New Day and the Usos mm-hmm. or insert tag team, you know, on SmackDown for the last year. I think Forgotten Sons, it's something new. It's something different. And they clearly, creative clearly, and Vince clearly see something with Forgotten Sons that they're kind of getting this push that, hey, You've been on the main roster, quote unquote, or you've been on, you know, SmackDown for what, like a month now? Not even? And you're already getting featured in a fairly prominent match on a pay per view. Uh, yeah, I think they're very high on them. And those they've always done solid work in NXT. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think the closest main event I've seen them in was I think they were part of a triple threat for the NXT TakeOver. Okay. When, um,. Uh, for the Royal Rumble, like oh, I, I, okay. like I want, okay. it's like something comes to mind. But no pun intended, it was forgettable. Yeah, but I remember that they were in there. But each time they've been in, they've done solid work. Mm-hmm. So I'm not mad that they're getting the shot at this. Yeah, and I'm not saying they're not going to get the belts. But you know, I, I I'm just looking at this and going, all right, we have another triple threat or fatal four way for what the umpteenth time. Yeah, like if they really want to try pushing something. 
give it to the Lucha House Party and just call it a day, and then you can really interject some kind of new blood into the title mm-hmm. picture. Because if you're going to give it to the New Day, which I hope they don't because I'm waiting for the break to happen because I feel that that's doing with that whole hacker gimmick oh, they yeah. got going on, the truth will be revealed. And yeah. now that's supposed to be a faction, and, and rumor has it it might be Xavier Woods leading Ali and Chad Gable. Like that whole story. Like if you believe everything you read on the Internet right now about that, it's a mess. But the Internet never lies. Oh, <laughs> talk to AEW. Uh, hey, so, so that being said, Lucha House Party – for the win. Okay. Uh, then you've got the SmackDown Women's Championship between Bailey defending her belt against Tamina. This is just a Band-Aid to get Bailey uh-huh. versus Sasha. Yep. Like, I'm sorry. Like, Tamina, since they brought her back, uh, has been very strong on SmackDown. Yeah. But I just don't see her getting the belt. Bailey has been doing great work as a heel. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like that they're going to try forcing Bailey versus Sasha down her throats again. Yeah. And if so, give us a real program. Don't like do the frenemy thing. Mm-hmm. You know, do something real with it. So yeah, uh, Bailey for this, but this is going to be yeah. No, yeah. it's it's going to be Bailey. I'm sure they're going to try and have a good match. I'm anticipating it not being a good match. And it's just a, like you said, it's just a band aid, and it's just you know a little appetizer to tide us over until we get to the main course meal of Bailey versus Sasha. Yeah. Uh, after that, it is the for the Universal Championship between Braun Strowman defending against Bray Wyatt. Well, this one I think is all going to hinge on is Roman Reigns coming back anytime soon. I would not think so based off of the fact that last night during Raw, uh, they talked about Seth Rollins cashing in his Money in the Bank briefcase at WrestleMania 31. And if you go back and watch that footage, Seth runs down. You get the reaction from Michael Cole and JBL. Oh, my God, this is brilliant. He hands it to who the ref is. I want to say it might have been Kyoto. I can't remember. And, yeah, cash in, cash in. He curb stomps Lesnar, cut to black, and then it's him holding the belt. They compl- they didn't mention Roman. They didn't say he was anywhere in that match, and they didn't show him pinning Roman to win that match. Right. So I get the feeling he's not coming back anytime soon. So my, my pick for this is going to be, since Braun was the Band-Aid um, to fill in for Goldberg versus Roman, mm-hmm. I mean, and he got the belt that I think their WWE's plans are eventually going to have Bray versus Roman. Mm-hmm. That that is the the goal at whenever Roman is going to come back. Obviously, right. he's, he's staying home with his health issues. So I, unless he is planning on coming back sooner, mm-hmm. I'm going to say Braun will retain if if Roman is out longer. If if Roman's coming back, Braun's dropping it, and Bray's winning the belt. Okay. So that's my pick. Uh, I'm going to say Braun, but I think Roman won't be coming back anytime soon just because we look at the current situation with C-19 and everything, and given Roman's medical history, not coming back anytime soon. Mm -hmm. I think we might get some shenanigans entailing just because, hey, WWE is known to do that. Um, I think we could see Braun beat The Fiend and then come to find out after the match is over that it wasn't actually Bray, that it was some no-name person that for mystical, otherworldly reasons, you know, psychic, voodoo, magic, whatever you want to say, that Bray mind-controlled this person or something like that, and that, oh, it was just Bray acting through this person, but it was, you never actually pinned Bray, so we got to go again. That's a crazy theory, Pat. I mean, listen. I love it, though. As wild as Bray is and as mystical and as wacky as he's getting with this, I wouldn't put anything past him. Yeah. I mean, they can go a lot of different directions with it. I mean, ever since the Firefly Funhouse, I mm-hmm. mean, pff, just let Bray write whatever he wants. Pretty and much. Him, and let him go. So, I, like I say, uh, for me, 
I'm sticking to my guns about that, but I love your take on that. Yeah. That'd be something to see. Uh, after that, you've got for the WWE Championship, Drew McIntyre defending his belt against Seth Rollins. Well, this one I think is going to be a very fun match. Oh, yeah. I think this a little hard hitting. This will be very hard hitting. This is what I think is going to really help this card out a lot. Mm-hmm. Drew McIntyre obviously has had the fairy tale ride coming back from 3MB land, getting me being released to now he is the world title. Uh, Holder being Brock Lesnar at Mania. I mean, mm-hmm. everything. And he's looked extremely strong since. Seth Rollins has converted to the Monday Night Messiah. Obviously, though, due to injuries to his heel faction, it's kind of been on the wayside, even mm-hmm. though he still has Murphy with him. This should be a very fun match. I do like Drew retaining. Yeah. I don't think he drops the belt. I don't think he's a one month and done. So I do expect McIntyre to go over. And obviously, whoever wins the next match. I think it's going to have a lot to deal with who uh, Drew should be seeing next. Mm-hmm. After that, you've got the women's Money in the Bank match with Asuka, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, and Carmella all participating. Now, they've been doing qualifier matches since after Mania. Mm-hmm. So this has been the squad that has been picked. So this being said, Pat, who you got? Lord have mercy. Um, I know the easy pick would be Shayna Baszler. Oh, she's going to usually go after Becky again. Uh, you know, but mm, I don't think so. I think it's going to be Asuka, and she's going to wait until after Sasha and Bailey have their match, maybe at SummerSlam, if that's when it ends up happening. Because I get the feeling whenever that match happens, it's going to be long. It's going to be dragged out. It's going to be hard-hitting, you know. There's going to be that moment at the end of the match where whoever wins, you know, is laying in the ring. Yeah, I got the belt, you know, whatever. And that's when she'll cash in. I'm taking Shayna Baszler on this one, but I would not be upset if Asuka won. Asuka has been on fire mm-hmm. lately. And since they dropped the belts with her and Kyrie Sane, right. has really stepped up her character. And I will say this, Nia Jax in this match kind of scares me a little bit. Yeah. Because I know that she has a tendency to not be so safe mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, in certain cases with people. And I'm going to say this. If she is not safe with Shayna Baszler, this could get ugly real quick. Oh, yeah. I'm just I'm, I'm saying that right now. Oh, yeah. Um, so that being said, though, I think this ultimately sets up for Baszler versus Lynch whenever they want to do that. Sure. So I think it's Shayna to win. But you know what? I would be very, very excited to see Oscar win, though. Oh, yeah. Not going to lie. After that, you've got the Men's Money in the Bank match with Daniel Bryan, Aleister Black, Rey Mysterio, King Corbin, Otis, and AJ Styles all participating. And we have to make note, too, AJ Styles just came back to fill in for Apollo Crews, who... Uh, he came back to life. Yeah. Undertaker killed him. Yeah, which he did explain, that, which I, I do love. He did not doubt the fact. He goes, yeah, I was buried alive, but I'm back. <laughs> like, okay, we're, we're not... this not. So now, apparently, the Boneyard match is now in continuum. So I, I love that. Uh, so looking at the field from this, AJ Styles is filling in for Apollo Crews, who may or may not be officially injured. I have not seen anything really no. official. So I, I'm hoping that this is a work, and I hope he comes back to defeat Andrade, just really adding to his storyline. If he really is hurt, I really hope he has a speedy and healthy recovery because I do like to see him in the ring. Oh, I do too, yeah. Yeah, and I think he was on a roll. But I, I think how they set it up, it just it's it just feels like they're doing a work for the storyline. So that being said, AJ won the gauntlet match last night on Monday Night Raw to get in. Um, kind of a weird match of who is all involved and, and how it had played out, but AJ is now in the mix. So looking at the field here, Pad, who's who you got for this? Um, I know AJ's kind of like I said with Shane, AJ's kind of the easy pick that but I'm gonna say Dark Horse, Alistair Black. 
I think there's a lot of potential you could have with that, and you could have a lot of fun uh, with him and kind of just his style uh, being money in the bank hold, uh, briefcase holder. All right, looking at the field, Daniel Bryan, I don't think needs it. No, um, Alistair Black is my pick to win. Rey Mysterio, I just don't think at this stage. And plus, I hear his contract's running out. Very I've heard short. rumblings of that I, I too. Heard some yeah. rumblings too. I don't. I don't necessarily yeah. know they give it to him. King Corbin has had the belt. He blew it. He blew his cash in once. Go look up the tape. Yeah. So don't I, let him forget about it. Tweet I, it at him. Yeah. I don't think that he's going to get another run with it. And Otis, I like. Look, he wouldn't surprise me. But would you break him and Tucker Knight up on SmackDown like that? When's the last time they had a, a tag team matchup together, though? Well, that that's the thing too. Like I I don't necessarily know, but I like those guys as a tag team. But Otis is definitely breaking out right now. The oh whole yeah, Mandy Rose storyline. Oh, that's yeah. the, that has literally been the best storyline on SmackDown. That's why I say as as popular and as over as that whole storyline is. I'm thinking Alistair Black, but if it happens to be Otis in the in the, you know the clock hasn't struck midnight on Cinderella yet, I it wouldn't surprise me. Could you just imagine an Otis versus Bray Wyatt match? Uh, I think I think you might have found the one person who wouldn't be afraid of any of his shenanigans. Oh yeah, like well Otis, like I just don't know how that would go over. Like that would just be wild to me. Yeah, because both those guys can go. Oh yeah. And then you could just imagine Otis versus Braun because I think Otis is one of the few guys on that roster who could body slam Braun with ease. Uh, yeah, well, him and then Keith Lee, obviously. But, yeah, but, yeah. Keith, but Keith, Lee, Keith Lee is a whole different... The, the match he had with Damian Priest this week, if you have not uh-huh. seen it online, and the chop yeah. and the shot put that yeah. he did. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just do, do yourself a favor. Watch NXT this past week, and you'll know exactly what we're talking about. But for my pick, though, I, I'm with you. Elster Black is, is the one that's going to win this one. In my opinion, I fully think he's going to. Uh-huh. Uh, it makes the most sense. Yeah. Uh, giving it to AJ, would I wouldn't be super surprised, but I guess then my question would be, if he wasn't originally supposed to be part of this match, was that going to be like Apollo Cruz was going to win? Yeah, like I, I like I don't know if they're just changing on the on the fly there. Which if like I said, if Apollo had won, I I would be shocked, but I'd be very happy. Yeah, yeah, because I think he's very underrated. So I definitely see Alistair Black winning, and in fact, I'll even throw this prediction at you. I think Drew has the belt and he runs with it. Okay, and then he has Brock reappear. Mm-hmm. Brock beats Drew. Alistair Black cashes in and gives Brock the Black Max. Say the only thing hinging on that though is them being back in live crowds. Because the thing I read with Brock is, you know, you're not going to see him again until they're back in arenas in front of people. Right. But if he gives him the Black Mass in front of a crowd, yeah, because that's because yeah. you, know, you can hold on to it until they finally get a crowd in there. Yeah. Imagine that pop if he knocks out Brock. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Didn't um, Alistair beat Drew in? Or no, that was Andrade. Yeah, Andrade. Andrade did. beat him in NXT. Never mind, that throws my thought out the window. Never mind. Yeah, that's what I say. Andrade is still lurking around, and that's why I thought like if Andrade had defeat or if Cruz had defeated Andrade, mm. he would have got him. But you know, like there's so many different storylines now with the the Cruz injury angle. That, yeah. that's a domino effect. It's gonna be really hard to see, but I fully see Alistair Black winning Black Mass all day mm-hmm. to to hit that shot, and it's it, it's a wrap after that. Oh yeah. We're going to find out on Sunday. Money in the Bank is going to be on the WWE Network, as we said. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH, and hit up at CoachDuffy11 on Twitter. He has some predictions for this card. He definitely wants to interact with you about that. And for more wrestling content, head on over to the 3 Fat Nerds Podcast Network. Check out the wrestling show I co-host with Rich from 3FN. We deep dive into this card and a ton of other wrestling content this week, so you definitely don't want to miss it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sunny Hepburn, 
And I'm Brandy Fleeks. And this is Book, Book of Lies, the podcast, where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty, rotten scoundrels. So tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another low-down, dirty liar. And learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies podcast. Find us on your favorite podcast player or on Twitter at Book of Lies Pod, on Instagram at Book of Lies Podcast, and on Facebook at Book of Lies Podcast. And if you want to send us an email, send us one at Book of Lies Podcast at gmail.com. Okay? Bye bye! Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And, Pad, we actually have some local news to a degree to talk about. Kind of, sort of. So it was announced uh, just over the past few days that the Syracuse Stallions, longtime rivals of the Binghamton Bulldogs in the ABA, are leaving and are set to join the Basketball League. Mm -hmm. So to read the press release from Spectrum Local News Mm -hmm. and John Johnson writing, uh, the Syracuse Stallions are testing themselves against stiffer competition after dominating the ABA for the past two seasons. Syracuse is joining the 14-team premier, the Basketball League. The TBL competitions is considered a step up from the ABA. So Mm -hmm. that being said, how are you feeling about the Bulldogs now losing their biggest rival? A um, little surprising to say the least. I mean, it's always it, it's a little different than dealing with kind of like the minor leagues with hockey or minor league baseball, where you know I'm not really used to teams leaving and joining another league. I mean, yeah, I'm used to you know the organization leaving the town. You know, like when the Senators left us and the Devils stepped in. It's it's kind of different for like just an entire team that's not really affiliated with anybody to go. Yeah, we're not going to play there anymore. A little weird. Yeah, it's definitely weird. Definitely was a surprise. I caught Coach Duffy and myself off guard. Um, but for Syracuse to leave, I mean, it's just so weird. It's just like for us locally, it's like the Red Sox leaving the divisions from the Yankees. Let's say all I can think of is they wrote checks their butts couldn't cash. Yeah. Talked I, all that crap last year, and then what happened? Well, you know, last year was some definite trash talk all through social media about this. So for more information on the Syracuse Stallions, we'll give them a shout-out because they have actually been retweeting us a little bit on a few things. At Q Stallions, that's spelled C-U-S-E, Stallions. And for where they're going, at TBL Pro League. Okay. So for more information on what Syracuse Stallions are doing. But if you want to find out everything going on with the Binghamton Bulldogs, and I know they're making an extreme push for their Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash the Binghamton Bulldogs mm-hmm. or just binghamtonbulldogs.com. So let us get into the rounding of the bases, or shall we say it's uh, the two-minute drill. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll have to switch it because we Maybe. are going to start talking the last dance. Yes. Oh, man. So good. Where do we begin? We are talking spoilers if you have not seen episodes five and six. So pad three, two, one. What you got? Uh, really enjoyed episode five. We'll start with that one. I uh, love the kind of little memorial tribute thing without being a memorial or tribute they had for Kobe. Uh, they showed, obviously, the footage from them playing against each other in the 1998 uh, All-Star game that took place in Madison Square Garden. And, you know, because at that point, there had been nobody really that, that emphasized Jordan's kind of work standard or just the way he did things like Kobe did. You mm-hmm. know, there hadn't been anybody that kind of like 
even come close to him. So to see that them kind of going up against each other in the trash talk, and even even Mike ribbing him pregame in the locker room, and and basically going just just telling him that you know quote that little Laker boy is gonna is going to take everybody one on one. He doesn't let the game come to him. He thinks I'm gonna make I'm gonna make this you know bleep happen. I'm gonna make this a one on one game. It it was funny to see him ribbing that like you know as much respect and love as they have for each other now that we you know that we've seen for years. It's fun to see the kind of like ribbing and just kind of like you know trash talking side of the two of them. Yeah, to see obviously the big brother little brother mentality they had mm-hmm. and to it was, I mean it's definitely bittersweet seeing the Kobe footage and, yeah. and just you know obviously dealing with the fact Kobe's not there and he, he, we unfortunately don't get to hear his uh, intake on the on the documentary mm-hmm. it, it's just to see their greatness and just like how they they recognized each other's game and made each other step it up too it was truly remarkable to see yeah and i liked a little bit kobe said they had kobe say during the thing where they talked about him you know he they asked kobe about jordan he goes you know he's like my big brother you know he picked his brain about everything and including jordan's signature turnaround jumper and he said, and I don't, I think I ever remember him hearing him ever say this, but I know you always heard the discussions, you know, who's better, Kobe, Jordan, mm-hmm. Jordan, Kobe, you know, and even throw when LeBron came along, you threw LeBron in that conversation. But, you know, Kobe said, I truly hate having discussions about who would win one-on-one. What you get from me is from him. I don't get five championships without him. He's guided me so much and gave me so much great advice. And I just, I just like that about him. They're like, okay, as much fun as it is to have those conversations, if joy, he's right. If Jordan doesn't come along and just kind of instill and and show that drive that Kobe came to just you know show so much of and even surpass, I think in some instances, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have Kobe as he is. No, he def- was I should say we definitely not. I mean, Jordan set the blueprint, mm-hmm. and the one thing that this documentary is teaching you is. He is the ultimate competitor. Yeah. And I was actually talking with Rich from 3FN about this off air too. And he was saying Jordan is the ultimate master of his craft. Like his, you say like the perfect employee. Mm -hmm. If his job is basketball, there was nobody better. Oh, yeah. And you see that just from the mentality he displayed. Like the original Mamba mentality came from him, not Kobe. Yeah. But Jordan just turned it up a gear. And to see the influence on him and see where Kobe took that mentality and ran with and now we're the NBA, you're starting to see that with other players now too. It's just a certain gear that kicks in. And it, yeah, and you can totally tell he kind of got that influence and that kind of gear from Jordan because you think back to uh, the NBA Finals against the, the Trailblazers that they show in this episode where all the discussion and all the you know, the foil to Michael Jordan was Clyde Drexler. And, oh, you know, is Mike going to be able to beat Clyde? Is, is, is he going to be able to hang with Clyde? What did he do game one? Open with like six three pointers. Yep, and you did the original shoulder stroke. Mm-hmm. That to see that live, and I remember watching that as a young kid. I was blown away because yeah, when you start hearing the ESPNs and all the sports media, I mean, it wasn't as crazy as it mm-hmm. is now. But that's all you were hearing. It was set up like a big boxing match. Yeah. Like, okay, how's he going to match up? And Jordan came out the gate just like a man possessed. And mm-hmm. right then and there, you knew the game was done. Yep. Like, that is just how dominant he could be. But it, it goes Harper's back to the fact that Jordan is just such an intense competitor. Oh, yeah. That if you tell him he can't do something, he's going to go out of his way to prove you wrong. It's like a borderline obsession slash yeah. pettiness. Yeah. But, my God, like, he does it with such grace. And then he's not shy about telling you after – you caused this. 
Oh yeah, well, these it, are your actions. It's like I forget who the player was. There was it was like a CP3 or somebody had a basketball camp, and they invited Mike, and Mike came along. And there was an instance. I think it was Chris Paul. Yeah, where there was an instance where Chris Paul made a bet with Jordan, and after seeing these episodes now, that one was his great failure. And this was he made a bet with Jordan, mm-hmm. where he goes. If you know, if you make all five of these shots, you know, basically, I think it was like an around the world type of thing. Yeah, you don't have to do anything, but you miss one, you got to donate shoes to all these kids here. And there was, there had to be like 200, 300. Oh, yeah, there's about 200 plus. 200 plus kids in that audience. And I think any other person, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, LeBron, Carmelo, Dame Lillard, like name your basketball player from like the last 60 years, they'd have gone along and maybe at the last one deliberately missed it. Mike? cool and cold as ever made every shot because that was Mike. Yeah, that was Mike to the letter. I mean, he was the ultimate competitor and this documentary series is just dissecting that so much that even when it's a small thing such as playing quarters against the security oh staff. Oh my god. Which is hysterical oh to see. Oh my god, see. I was in t- tears laughing. Yeah, because they're just throwing quarters against the wall to see who can get closest and the one security guard is beating Mike so bad, he actually hits him with the shoulder shrug. He took money from Mike. He took money from Mike. And you just see how Mike was kept going, and he's just eventually like, all right, all right I'm going to let go. But you see how that was even driving Mike at oh, such yeah. a like, small level. As, as competitive as he was getting about it, I'm like, dude, it's you're, you're taking this like it's game seven of the NBA Finals. You're tossing quarters against the wall. Like I can get joking about it and being like a little jokingly serious about it, but holy crap. Yeah, no, it was absolutely wild to see, but it goes down to his playing days. I mean, mm-hmm. just to even see just a level of competitiveness and how much if he wants to prove a point, he's going to do that. Look no further than when they dissected the Tony Kukoc. Oh my god, ordeal when he was supposed to be coming over. Yeah, of course they 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 uh, then get into a little bit of the dream team and their run in the Olympics in '92, I believe it was, mm-hmm. where you know it was basically every play, all the best players in the NBA at that point, and they were just putting up points on points on points. And they get to the the early round matchup against who was it Croatia? Yeah, Croatia, and you know Croatia's got this kid that Jerry Krause drafted and wanted to he bring was in him, love with. He was in love with him and wanted to bring him over. He's the next big thing, Tony Kukoc. And it was all a quest. And everyone's like, "All right, who's going to draft? Who's going to cover this Kukoc kid?" And Scotty and Jordan, who were on the team, were like, "Yeah, we got this. We're going to trade this off. I get him the first half. You get him the first half." I think if I remember the documentary right, he got to halftime and had like four points. Yeah. And I remember another documentary, I think ESPN did something, where they interviewed Tony about it, and Tony said to his teammates, you know, at one point when he sat down on the bench, his his teammates looked at him and went, dude, what did you do to Jordan to piss him off? Well, that was just going back to the feud he had with Jerry Krause. And just like, how Krause is looking in this is absolutely awful. Yeah. But Jordan is not doing any favors to himself. But then again, if you remember his Hall of Fame speech, he was taking shots then. Oh, yeah. But that's how he was. I mean, mm-hmm. he just he's not afraid to go after somebody when he feels he's gotten the best hand on him. Yeah. I mean, that's just a competitive nature in him. And he does like to talk that trash, but you know what? He's so good he can back it up. Oh, yeah, he can. Absolutely. And that's the wild thing about it. So to see the whole Kukoc story play out, and then just obviously he's never let Jerry Krause live it down. Well, no, and even Scotty, you know, once the dust had finally settled on everything, Jordan and Scotty both seemed to agree. You know, everything we did for Kukoc was kind of a, just against Krause. Uh, Pippen even going as far as to say, you know, in a separate interview, quote, Jerry paved the way for a lot of hell for Tony Kukoc. We were we were going to do everything we could to make Jerry look bad. Yeah, and they completely went out of their way to do it. And like oh, I said, yeah. this documentary is definitely tainting his legacy even worse, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, and, and now, admittedly, 
Kukoc did better in the gold medal game against USA, mm-hmm. but still, damage had been done by that point. Right, which, I mean, Michael even said, too. I mean, they owned up to it, and he said he's a great guy, uh, he's a great teammate, so they, it was almost like the trial by fire with him, mm-hmm. seeing so he could hang, and they obviously proved that, no, Kraus was wrong in his evaluation of him, but he's yeah. still a great player. Yeah. It just goes back to just show just how Michael could take over and become a larger-than-life person if he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And then one thing I, I really love to see about the documentary, too, is when they start going through when he became Michael Jordan, like mm-hmm. with the endorsements. Yeah. And breaking down, even when he was at the Olympics, he's just signed that deal with Nike. Right. Which, I mean, at the time we were talking off-air about, Nike at that time was just a running shoe company. Yeah, they were, they were an upstart that was only really known for a running shoe company. And, of course, at the time, the NBA had a deal or, you know, the Converse was the official shoe of the NBA. And Jordan didn't want to be with the crowd. He didn't want to, you know, be just another one of the guys. He wanted his own thing. And he did. And this was kind of the, the interesting thing for me. And I'm not sure a lot of people knew about this. I didn't. He almost went with Adidas. He wanted, yeah. to, be, he wanted to go with Adidas. He didn't want to go with Nike. That's absolutely wild. Yeah. To, to think just, I mean, how crazy the shoe game is now. Yeah, yeah. And to see if it, you imagine just a different time period, he signed with Adidas. Yeah, no, it would have been wild. And, of course, then he signed with uh, Nike. And then they said in the documentary, uh, Jordan's agent said that, like, in the first year, they were projected to do – Nike had an initial, initial goal of $3 million in sales over four years. They did $126 million in, in one year. Well, it showed the, the star power of him that he became yeah. a, such a larger-than-life personality. And it's just one thing about recognizing greatness when you see it. And and for fans, he definitely kept himself very professional on on, on screen and on mm-hmm. the court. And yeah. I mean, he was definitely involved enough where he was doing those commercials, like the Gatorade commercials, like Mike, if I could oh, be yeah. like Mike. Yeah. And just how that took over and just everything he, he was connecting himself with turned to gold. It was just truly remarkable to see in that in that time frame just of how his celebrity was and how he kept himself so focused on the game. Mm-hmm. And even you know to the point where his agent was starting to do this. This hadn't been done for a basketball player ever, no, like ever, never. It had been done for golfers and tennis players, and I and they even interviewed somebody from the Bulls front office who remembered saying to him, "Are you trying to make this guy into a tennis player?" Yeah, because he just transcended the sport. He uh, he almost became the logo before the logo was. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like I know it's always been Jerry West, but Jordan's image is just doing the the Air Jordan dunk. Yeah, is just so synonymous with basketball and the NBA and just the the just uh, that time period. Oh yeah, I mean, you, you just seeing how it's it's translated at that time with the footage too is just wild to see. Absolutely wild. Yeah. So this whole documentary has just been absolutely crazy, and I know that the preview going into next week is about baseball. Yeah, no, his uh, because that was the interesting thing at the end was I never fully understood or, or got why he left basketball. I know he did, and I know he tried baseball, and I know it you know flew like a lead balloon. Mm-hmm. But I never fully got like why you know you're at the apex of your game, you're the best player in the world, you're winning champion. Why would you walk away? But to finally get it broken down, and for me, yeah, I grew up when Jordan was around, but I wasn't watching sports when he played. Mm-hmm. So I never really got to see it. But to see, like he said in the, inter- in, in the documentary, in the footage from 98, where he gets up and he can't even go out to breakfast without getting mobbed by people. Goes to the game, mobbed by people. Post game, mobbed by press. You know, leave the arena, mobbed by fans. Get on the bus to go back to the hotel if they're, if they're traveling. Gets to the hotel, mobbed by people. You know, so it's like literally the only place he could go was the four walls of his hotel room if he's traveling on the road. And just to see, just like even for me, that was kind of like, okay, this is uncomfortable. This kind of sucks. It was it was very eye opening for me. Well, it's the high price of fame. Yeah, I mean that's just it's the it's the downside when everybody's like, oh, I want to be rich and famous. 
this is what you have to deal with. Your privacy and your daily life is so drastically changed. Mm-hmm. And this is before the era of TMZ and, yeah. and paparazzi too. Oh yeah, like you have to take a, a step back and think now, with like with like LeBron mm-hmm. or even Kevin Durant. Yeah, or, or you know, take a look at the current players in the NBA and just how much media scrutiny they get. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if it was Michael Jordan was playing in this era with oh. media scrutiny? Like, it'd be it'd be something. It'd be it'd be so intense. Like you have to just completely applaud like LeBron and Steph Curry and, yeah. and how they're handling it, because there's always a camera there and like how Michael handled it. I think also set a blueprint too. Yeah, to a certain degree. Yeah, I mean just another thing to his greatness that we get to see firsthand. I mean the, the documentary has been so excellent, mm-hmm. so so good. I'm like I'm almost sad it's going to be ending soon. Yeah. But, I mean, what else can you really show that hasn't been done? I mean, when they win the title and then that's it and then you yeah. see the team dissolve. Yep. That's going to be a very, very sad episode. Oh, yeah. But we get to see that here in the States on Sunday night starting 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then I believe it's on Netflix internationally. Yep. So check your local listings. Get caught up on that. Hit us up on that hashtag, too. Hashtag ODPH. We need to have more Last Dance discussion. I know Joey from So Wizard did it for this Patreon. Just Joey. Uh, congratulations to them, too. 300th episode dropped today. No, congratulations. So... I know that they've been talking about it. I know Coach Duffy has been talking about it with us in our group chat. we got to have a little more public Twitter discussion about this. So all of our ODPH Society members, please interact about this. We definitely want to keep this conversation going. So that being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH to kick off the show with is Fair City Fire. But one thing we're going to start doing is we have so many great bands, we want to try doing a little feature each and every week. So we're picking a band to close out the show for both shows during the week, and this week is Second Suitor. They just had their Super Duper EP drop, and the song we're going to be closing with is One Winged Angel. It's kind of fitting for the wrestling. Obviously, they're talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling and so much other good stuff. Their album is right now on Bandcamp, and I believe that this Friday it's dropping on Apple Pod- or Apple Music and Spotify, amongst oh, other players. Cool. So if you haven't picked it up yet, go get it. Support them. They're super great guys. Tyler has been on the show a few times. We can't say support them enough. So you're going to be finding out more about them. But how do you get there, you ask? Simple. Swing on over to OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Hit up the music section. You can find out about them. You can find out about Yard Party. You can find out about Second or Shot of the Robots. You can find out about Floodlands. You can find out about Tom Jolu. So much great music that you can hear on the ODPH. You can just go download yourself, become a fan, and spread the word about them as well. Also over on OchoDuroParleyHour.com, you can check out the ODPH directory where we have links to friends of the show, such as Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, still doing that Final Fantasy VII remake pad. Cool. And we also have links to Excite Wrestling, who we're expecting maybe we'll kind of hear some news slowly but surely leaking out about them. I know they got the YouTube page going on right yep. now, but we might be hearing some stuff coming down the pike. I'm not saying I know anything because I don't, even though I've been told that I'm a mysterious owner of Excite Wrestling. If you listen to Supposedly. A1, yeah, that's what I've been told. I have to kind of do a little more digging about that. But who's been talking about that? Well, that's simple. That's 8122 Productions. And that's Rich Ron and hashtag Big Natty Cool. Still on Twitter, Pad. Oh, boy. Still hasn't been thrown off because he's still bringing that heat each and every time he tweets Diesel. And you can find out about everything going on with the Three Fat Nerds podcast. You can find out about Horror Zone 607. Shout out to Mike C. And you can find out about their Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash 8122 Productions. Uh, I believe there's a new episode of I Love Movies coming out by Ron, who's giving that real talk about movies, Pat. Oh, boy. So I haven't got any spoilers about that yet. And you can also hear the hottest show behind a paywall with the highest uh, – well, actually, no, I was, I was informed that I should not be talking about the the other the, – they have not finalized the other tier plan. Oh, oh good. Just yet. Good. So, so we will just keep that to ourselves. But there's a lot of stuff that's going on with Love is Scary and hashtag Big Natty Cool – 
hashtag the Doctor Elevenomics Diesel that uh, yeah we just won't get into. But if you want to find out more about that, hit up the Three FN Network and hit up Patreon.com/slash8122Productions. They have got so much going on that we can't talk about because Rich has asked us not to. And a few other providers have told us not to as well. So let's hear those wishes. And still on the ODPH director, you can hear all the great podcasting lists that we are on. You can go interact with them yourselves. So you can check out Pod Nation. You can check out Legion Independent Podcast. You can check out Alternate Reality Radio. And you can check out the Apocalypse community along with hashtag 607 podcasts. All the Podchaser lists are there. So go check out all the great pods you hear on there. You can go rate, subscribe, download everything you need to do. There's so many great pods we're so proud to be associated with. You can find out all there on OshadoraParlayR.com. And you can find out about live stream for The Cure. Now, Pad, mm-hmm. there is a little bit of an update. Uh-oh. So we'll give this to you. So we have links right now on the front page for the event and early donations. Why do we have one for early donations? Well, one, if you can donate right now to uh, Cancer Research Institute, it is greatly appreciated. But what we are announcing this week via Off the Cuff Gaming, Three Fat Nerds Podcast Network, and ourselves, we have announced, obviously, that we're going to be on Sunday, May 31st, twitch.tv slash guys, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. And we are talking about the worst video game films ever and what games should, be made, should have been made in the films. What we are saying is we are challenging you, the ODPH Society, to make an early donation, and when you do, shoot us the image that you did, and shoot us your picks for the worst video game film and which one should have been made. And we will shout you out and read your picks on air during that time period. Also, any hashtag 607 podcast merchandise that Rich is going to be selling through A122productions.com. All the proceeds from now until May 27th are going to be going directly to Livestream for the Cure. So that way we're doing our extra bit to help raise some money. And if you want to do any donations, like I said, we have the links right on the front page for live stream for the cure so please go check it out it's an amazing event we're very honored and humbled to be a part of this and there's gonna be so many great uh content creators gonna be starting may 27th through may 31st on twitch.tv slash epic film guys so please share the event please donate if you can i know with the c19 going on right now everything's a little tight but if you can please share and donate if you can it really makes a difference and we can kick cancer's ass together all of that is on ochoduroparleyhour.com Pad, that is all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Shatter the 
face of my eye look alive So surprised that she's walking towards me A smile I see Connect from the top ropes One, two, three